Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. So today in the show, we'd like to get a planting and crop progress update from you. If you'd like to call in, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Oh, you can also find us on Twitter as well, AgPhD Media, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. Okay, so I, quite frankly, had forgotten that our topic today was planting and crop progress. I was busy looking at fields just now. We've got our last field of corn that we need to put in the ground. We already finished planting our beans. We don't have any bean acres this year. And we put some alfalfa in, so we did those things earlier. We're planting silage corn for for a dairy that's right next to us. And I, I have been talking to a lot of people in our region that planting is finally getting started for them. So we've been in a drought area for two years. So that's why our crop's in the ground. But a lot of people have really suffered from excess water. We certainly feel for them, but fortunately there are a lot of people getting started now. And I was just having this conversation with an agronomist right before I stepped into the radio studio. And it was this. The agronomist goes, okay, well, I was talking to my dad and I said, oh, dad, you'll, you'll be great. And this is up in northern South Dakota, by the way. He said, you'll be great planting corn all the way till the 10th of June. And he goes, and my dad just kind of sneered at me. And he's like, well, how about like the 5th or 6th? <laughs> and I go, now, wait a second here. The next time somebody gives you a hard time about planting the 10th of June, just ask them, well, what kind of yield would you expect? And so I said, like, legitimately, what would your, if you asked that question of your dad, what would he say? He goes, well, normally we're, we're counting, we're hoping for 220 bushel corn. Let's say June 10th, we get 130. Now, personally, I think he's going to get more than that, but let's say it is 130. I go, okay, well, 130 times $7, how much money is that? And he goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's over $900 an acre. It's, you know, for a, what we would call a terrible yield in our region, uh, $900 an acre, that's not bad. And you're covered in crop insurance, too, at that point. So I just think, but he goes, well, my dad's never planted that late. He's not normally thinking about that. And I go, look, this has been the great thing with all the research we do and just our farm in general. We've done all kinds of stuff over the years. We planted crops super late. The last time we had it is one of our guys accidentally killed just a little bit of a, a little bit of corn, not on a lot of acres, but I'm going to say it was 20 acres or something. So, Darren, do you remember that date? It was just two or three years ago. We planted, was it June 10th? It was June 8th, 10th, 12th, 14th? I don't, I don't remember the exact date. I'll, I'll look it up. But anyway, it was late. And I go, well, just plant the corn. You know, we'll get what we get. And that's the way it goes. It's only a few acres, so not the end of the world. We had over 200 bushel corn. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened here? We had over 200 bushel corn planted in, well into June. It's certainly possible. I, I just, I applaud the corn breeders, they've done an amazing job for us as farmers over the last 20 years. We have so much better varieties than we used to. And it's not just the late varieties, it's the early varieties too. We put a 75-day corn on our farm this spring, planted it over a month ago now, or about a month ago, because we want to harvest some silage at our Ag PhD field day. Even that, quite frankly, if I let it go to grain, I'm counting on way over 200 bushel corn. From a 75-day corn, it's possible. These early corns and early beans, they're really good. So like on our farm, we have planted corn into mid-June. We have planted soybeans into early July. Do we like doing that? Of course not. I'd much prefer the opposite. But 
when we look at crop prices, that's the first thing. We're trying to just make money on the farm. And if I can still make money, I'm going to do it. The next thing is you got to consider, well, what's the alternative? Okay, if I let that go, let's say it goes to prevent and plant. Can a person get some money out of that? Sure. But you're not going to get as much, number one, based on my math. I mean, depending on the date, obviously. And number two is what kind of shape is that ground in for next year? When you plant a crop, now you've got more soil life. And we talk about it often here on the show, soil health, soil life, trying to make your future crops fantastic. And you can't do that if you don't have stuff growing out there. So anyway, that that's another reason why, like on our farm, we've always encouraged people uh, and why we've always encouraged people to keep planting. But then here's the last thing that I just want you to think about. We also talk a lot about drain tile on the farm. And one of the steps for most farmers that they're going to go through is they're going to go in and talk to the NRCS, and then there's going to be a wetland determination. Well, I can promise you this. If you've always, always, always farmed that ground, every single acre, it's different. And the NRCS looks at it different than if you occasionally take prevent plant and don't plant it. So, and again, I'm not talking about draining duck ponds here. I'm talking about true farm ground, okay? So that's the reason, like on our farm, we all, we never took the prevent plant payment. We just said, yep, it's gonna, it might cost us some money, but you know what? We're just going to keep planting, and then we're, we're going to raise a crop here. And if nothing else, at least we had something planted. We had something out there so nobody can ever say, hey, this is a wetland of any sort. So that's just the way we've looked at it. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong here, but that's just what we have always done. So anyway, that's just a little bit about what's going on on our farm and in our region. And again, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to call into the show, the number is 844-44-AG-PHD. Again, that's 844-442-4743. Okay, so over this last weekend, just as a quick side note here, uh, my middle child graduated from high school. And, you know, it is, it's really interesting when you've got kids and just what ends up happening, especially like on the farm and in your business and, and all that kind of thing. So I've got an older son who now will be doing agronomy things here this summer. And then I got two daughters. Uh, so I got a senior and one that just finished as a sophomore. It's also been interesting, the competition between the kids, trying to get a better ACT score than the other or better grades than the other. So some of these competitive things could work out really well. Uh, you know, granted, the kids like to fight and all that kind of thing, just like uh, Darren and I did growing up. But eventually, hopefully they get past that stage and move on to a better stage where, like Darren and I are at today, where... I mean, I can admit he's a lot better field agronomist than I am. And, you know, there are some things that I do that he doesn't necessarily specialize in. So a lot of things when you work in a family business and a family organization, but it's certainly been fun over the years. All right, we're going to talk planting and crop progress right after this. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. 
That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Weather or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're getting a planting and crop progress update, and we'd love to hear from you and how things are going on your farm. And I know there's still a lot of guys struggling out there to get things in. Uh, but it, it's interesting for me, too, as some guys have said, man, we had like a two-day window back uh, a few weeks ago, and that stuff's up and looks good. I'm kind of curious, how did things look that, that got in early before all this water and all this delay? And then, of course, uh, as you head west, how are things doing with all the dry conditions most areas are facing? So if you want to call in, we would love to hear from you. If you have an agronomic question, that's great, too. Our phone lines are open again at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Oregon right now. we got Mike on with us. Mike, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys faring? You know, we're we're pretty lucky. Our our drought conditions, I think we're officially not in a drought area for the first time in a couple of years, and that's kind of an awesome place to be in. Uh, although I will oh, say yeah. this, we're gonna need we're gonna need the rains to keep coming. I would be more than happy to send you some of uh, ours your way. We have been uh, buried under rain in the Willamette Valley. All right, so talk to us about uh, the crops then. How are the crops responding to that? Is it delaying planting of anything? And, and how are the perennial crops doing as well? Oh, it's a mixed bag. Uh, we had some fall plant crops in, uh, for cash crops that even though we had a fairly mild uh, fall and winter, they struggled more than I thought they should coming through. Had a few fields that have come out, and I've seen neighbors that are really good farmers that have been struggling with this too. This spring, we have had our wettest and coldest spring on record. We had our wettest April this year that has ever been recorded with almost six inches of rain. And uh, last year, we had our hottest and driest spring we've ever had on record. Last year in April, we had about a third of an inch of rain. Oh, wow. And so we are dealing with two opposite ends of the spectrum, and uh, it has been tough to get crops in this spring. Luckily, we've been doing stuff no-till on our farm. That's given us a little bit more option, but we can get the drill out there and get seed in the ground, but it's 
soon as it uh, turns cold and rains again, the crop doesn't come up and bounce out of the ground the way it should. It's still just cold and wet soils. I'm hoping you get what we've gotten here, at least as far as temperature is concerned. We were just cold, 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 and all of a sudden now now it's 75, 80 degrees. And it's like, wait a second, yeah. where were yeah. some of these days when we really needed them? But, hey, we need them now, oh, too, yeah. so hopefully you guys catch a yeah. little bit of that sunshine. Uh, we're starting to warm up. It's getting us more optimistic, and uh, we have one spring plant field that looks really sharp, really good. One that's kind of struggling a little bit and mediocre and one that uh, has been planted twice and floundered both times because it's turned off wet and cold after we put the seed in the ground and we're looking at time number three over it and trying to figure out what our options are going to be for a crop this year on it. You know, one of the things that, that I always love about your area is the diversity. There's just so many different crops there. And I know in the Midwest, oh, yeah. cover crop use is increasing. And, and I know your area is uh, a big supplier of some of that seed. Uh, yep. How is that coming? And, and what are you seeing in terms of demand? Are you getting requests for more acres and more acres of some of these cover crops? Um, from what I've seen, the demand for cover crop seed is going up. It's tough, too, because last year with the drought, it cut our production down dramatically on uh, cover crop seed. Um, grass crops, we were lucky. We were at about two-thirds of a normal crop, and we heard stories of a lot of neighbors that were one-third or less than a normal crop. Um, our radish, we had one field that did about half a crop and another field that did about 10% of a crop. It was truth be told some herbicide damage that was partially our fault because we didn't look at our field history quite close enough on it but the drought exacerbated that yeah, that, uh, that drought really messes that up uh, you think oh i'm just what did i put on in yeah. the last six months or nine months but drought drought changes yeah, the rules it was, a, oh. it was a product that was put on back in the fall when we were thinking it was going to go to grass and the grass crop failed and then we went into radish in the spring didn't think anything a carryover because normally we have a lot, you know, enough rain to wash everything sure. out, and yep. we didn't, and it came back and bit us. And you know, Mother Nature can uh, do that to us sometimes, but we're looking pretty good um, on the longer-term perennial crops. We had a freeze that came through about uh, right around Easter that was uncommon for our area. I know the wine grape growers are. Uh, fairly concerned about that some of the vineyards got most of their buds frozen off oh no some of them didn't get hit much at all but it was right as bud was breaking on the grapes we have a couple acres of table grapes in and there was a good couple weeks there where i was sweating bullets for a while to see if they were going to wake up i think i'll have a crop but i'm pretty sure i'm going to have some loss on it from that yeah, that's just terrible timing for a freeze. But, well, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I would say this, uh, Mike. It sounds like we need a mixture of the last two years for you, give you some of that heat back, yeah. and uh, you can keep yeah. half this moisture. It would be just perfect. So we'll we'll pray yeah. for that uh, for, for our, guys in your area. Our average is about half of what we've gotten for moisture and about 20 degrees warmer than where we're at. And uh, if we had a nice even mix between the two years, we'd be right back at average again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the trouble with averages. You just never seem to get yep. them. It's always above or below. Well, hey, Mike, uh, we yep, really yep. appreciate talking to you. really appreciate checking in with you on, on how things are going in your area of Oregon. And good luck to you here going forward. 
Oh, thank you. Always great to talk with you guys, too. You bet. Thanks. Uh, let's head over to West Central Illinois. we got Dave on with us right now with a burndown question. How's it going, Dave? Good. Good afternoon. Can you hear me? I can, but I understand cheat grass is your problem in West Central Illinois. That's That surprises me. Is that, is that always a concern? No, and it, for this is the first year that it's really been a concern. It's it's almost as uh, like we planted it for a cover crop, and we can't really till it because that kind of just makes a mess. So we're going to plant a couple hundred acres of corn and five or six hundred acres of soybeans. We're thinking about no-tilling it through the cheat grass and then burning it down, and I just wondered what your thoughts were on what that's going to do to the yield. Yep. Uh, that should be just fine, Dave. Our big concern whenever you have, okay, so we're going to call this cheatgrass your cover crop, all right? But whenever you have a standing live cover crop and you seed into it, our concern is usually moisture. It's not as much on the nutrient side, but it's moisture. So, uh, yeah, I'm a little worried if you were to get a drought this year, but you're in Illinois, not in western South Dakota, where typically we're super short on rainfall or something. But anyway, I'd just say... Uh, go ahead and do it. That's my feeling. I assume you're going to be planting just about right away. Yeah, we actually planted 100 acres of corn. We're sure. we're switching over to beans now. Yep, gotcha. I was wondering if maybe mowing it would help. I nope. Telling it, telling it's not an answer. Yeah, no, no. You uh, well, how tall is it? It's uh, probably it's not real tall. It's less than four inches. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, no, I'd just go out and spray it with Roundup if it's me. The good news here is in corn and soybeans, we don't have a real big problem with cheatgrass. It isn't that terrible to control. It's just if you're going to use Roundup, you can't just get by with the super low rate that will kill the foxtail species. You got to, I mean, like if it's it's me on my farm, I'm probably using a quart of six-pound Roundup. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, and then I would just say post-emerge, oh, oh, let me ask you, do you have Roundup-ready corn and Roundup-ready soybeans, or what do you have there? Yeah, that's the Perfect. plan. Perfect. Okay, because otherwise it's a little tough with accent. It's not the best post-emerge in corn, but if you got Roundup, that'll take care of it there. In soybeans, either Roundup or Clethodim would be just fine there post-emerge. So you're probably going to have to hit it twice to completely eliminate every last bit of it, but your Roundup in burndown should work just fine. Thank you very much. You Appreciate bet. the help. You bet. Thanks, Dave. Good luck out there. Hope your crop turns out great this year. Yeah, there are a lot of these kinds of questions, Brian, right at uh, the start of the season. And we had one come in that was kind of interesting that we'll get to after the break here. Uh, Roger had a question about volunteer corn. He said, I've got volunteer corn coming into my field, but I want to plant corn in that field. What are my options for wiping that out early season here? Can I do something right before planting or do I have to wait? We'll talk about volunteer corn control in a cornfield coming up right after this. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, it means getting a -a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting experts who will work with you to create a program unique to your operation, all while accounting for the quality of your soil and the products you're already using. It's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
compromise is nice if you're at the playground or scouring yard sales. But farmers know better that middle grounds have no winner. That's why there's Revitec fungicide, fast-acting and long-lasting, preventative and curative, disease control and stress reduction. So leave the settling to little Tommy at the seesaw, an old bargain bill, and take your full prize in yields with Revitec fungicide for uncompromised performance. Always read and follow label directions. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio, and we're getting a planting and crop progress update. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can email us, and I, I get an email here. This one comes in from Roger. He says, I've got a lot of volunteer corn coming up. Can you spray a corn killer and then follow up by planting corn, or do you have to wait? I see that it says one month on the label, but I'm wondering if I could still do it. We get this question about every year, Brian, about uh, volunteer corn coming up in cornfields. And it used to be easy because it's, well, plant Roundup Ready corn this year, then plant Liberty Link corn the next year. And now you got a couple of great options there to, to wipe things out. But there's so many stacked traits that Roundup and Liberty just aren't the option they used to be. Yep. Okay. So here's the first thing. If you can do tillage, I just do tillage. And that's going to wipe it out. If you're not wanting to do tillage, then... The here here's the thing. It, the planting date is now well. Your, our date is getting late, so I'm assuming this one you want to plant immediately. You can't use something like Fusilade, Assure to or Clethodem. You got to wait. Our our general rule has been one to two weeks after you spray that. And you might say, what? I thought those products had no residual. No, they have some residual, enough residual that it could damage 
your corn crop. And there's a big difference between damaging a crop and actually killing a weed. I'm not saying that if you planted four days later that we're going to kill any of your corn. But you're going to most likely damage it a little bit. And it's not worth it. So my next piece of advice is, okay, since that's out, you can't wait a week, you got to plant now, then I'd say Gramoxone. Now, I, I would include Liberty in that conversation too. Liberty would work about the same as Gramoxone. Neither one is going to be perfect on your volunteer corn. It's going to be good, but not perfect. But the reason why I would say not Liberty this year is because the Liberty price is really high this year. Next year, it'll probably be back down in price. But for this year, Gramoxone. So that's my advice. It's either tillage or gramoxone. Um, I don't. I don't know really what more you can do. It's a kind of a tough spot when you're trying to kill that volunteer corn that is Roundup ready, and that's what we've got here. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Dave on right now over in Illinois. Dave, how's it going? It's a beautiful day in the springtime, finally. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah, sunshine cures a lot of ills, that's for sure. So are guys rolling in your area now? Uh, yeah, guys are running good. Uh, there were some spotty rains came through this last weekend. Uh, we didn't get any of it, but uh, within 20 miles of here, some guys got two to five inches. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I don't know where you, which cloud you're in. So, yeah. <laughs> So, but, so, so, yeah, when did planting? When did planting really get started? Have you had a time where you say, "Okay, hey, it just got going, and we were actually able to roll," or did it go for a couple of days and then stop for a couple of weeks? Or how's it been? Well, uh, for oats this year, end of March we got our first third in. End of April we finally got the rest of the oats in, and then this last week we got our corn in. It's spiking through already. It was planted last Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, I got my father planting beans now. Uh, we started on those last Thursday, Friday, uh, so and they were swelled up, you know, within 12 hours with the heat and the moisture we've got. Uh, so that stuff's going on good. And then other than that, I'm I'm just trying to rotate the cows through the pastures, and I've got cows eating on cover crops, so I can get ready to plant my 60-inch corn here in, in another week or two, and. Um, yeah, and trying to control the voles. That's why I've got the cows grazing on the cover crop. So. Controlling the voles. Interesting. I like it. you got a lot of stuff going on. You guys are busy. Oh, might as well be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me about... Tell me real quick about this. Oh, I was going to say, Dave, tell me about this 60-inch corn really quick. I, I want to hear... You did some of that last year. What What have you seen with that, and why are you doing more? Uh, last year was not a learning curve. It was a learning elevator. I saw corn hit 215 bushel the acre on the yield monitor. Uh, you know, whole field wasn't near that, but at least I, I saw some potential there. Uh, so, you know, I'm doing some tweaking and stuff like that. I'm going to put all the fertilizer on with the planter. Uh, I'm going to twin rows this year on the, on the 60s. You know, stuff like that. You know, just tweaking to make to make everything work better. Uh, and like I said, using the cattle to help control the voles because nobody really has a good good uh, suggestion how to control them. And when you get when you have a field that they take 30% of the, of the seeds, it's, uh, you've got to do something different. 
Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Well, it's always learning. And you say it's a, <laughs> it's not just a learning curve. I, I get that. Uh, but you want to learn as quick as you can because we don't get to do this forever. We only get to do it for 30 or 40 times here. So glad, uh, glad to see you're trying yeah. some different stuff. I love the sound of just rotating cows around a little bit too. That, that makes a lot of sense to me too. We could talk all day, Dave, but I really appreciate it. you guys are so busy. Thanks for calling in. We really appreciate the chance to talk to you. Yeah, and my, my, my father has figured out how to run auto steer, and he's he, he's 81 years old, and he's having a ball. So. <laughs> <laughs> it changes the game. That's Now you aren't going to get him out of the tractor. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, keep her going, Dave. We really appreciate it, and good luck to you. You guys have fun. Stay safe. You Bye. Bet. Thanks. Uh, let's head over to Minnesota. we got Bruce with us right now. Uh, Bruce, how are you doing? We're doing fine. We're wrapping up beans today. Outstanding. Now, okay, speak about beans. Uh, I hear you want to talk about white mold, and uh, that seems to be one of Brian's top, biggest topics, too, because we're always trying to learn on that one. What you got on the white mold? Well, I talked to you, I think, last week sometime, and you mentioned white mold. Um, and I talk, told you if you keep two years of manure, application and corn in between it'll help a lot of white mold which it does but we're doing a lot of uh, no-till stuff right now and we just don't have white mold problems in no-till because there's no soil exposed okay you know we get a lot of talk about that with reducing till and leaving the white mold sclerotia on top of the soil that's where you're going to get the best breakdown and we were contrasting that i know i don't think it was recently here but uh that both of our grandparents they they didn't weren't afraid to get the plow out to try to bury their problems but if if you're not going to bury it super deep uh no-till is really the best shot because light tillage it seems like just gets some more of them to sprout yeah bruce i would say we also saw less volunteer corn when we first started doing no-till about 25 years ago on our farm because we would still till the ends we'd still till the end rows where we had created a whole bunch of compaction and it was right to the line the first year we're like what the heck happened here because we got volunteer corn in all the end rows and none out in the field well it didn't take us long to figure out what was going on so yeah we have heard that i I mean we've still seen some white mold in no-till but it just has not been quite as bad we'd agree with you Okay. Um, we're also seeing right here now that uh, we had quite a bit of rain the last few days, and the people that are doing a lot of tillage, there's a whole lot of erosion, of course. Yep. Uh, recreational tillage causes that. Well, any tillage <laughs> can cause that. Yep. Any tillage. I don't care if it's recreational or whatever. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's good and bad with tillage, but, yeah, that's one of the biggest downsides is you got uh, high potential for erosion. Well, we're in a lot of hills, so we have to be careful. Right. Yep. And right now, those people that do it that way are all using their rotary holes, and we don't seem to be needing it. Oh, uh, you're saying basically they got a crust? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, we'd agree with you there, too. So, yeah, you're bringing up all the good points about no-till or reduced till. Uh, Yeah, we agree. I have a son that's just getting into the business. now. He used to be a mechanical engineer for 10 years, but he got tired of that. But anyway, he he tells me... um, 
says, if I'm going to farm for the next 30 years, I have to have soil. we got to hang on to it. Yep. Yep. That's why there's so much talk about reduced till, no-till, strip-till, cover crops, all that kind of thing. So definitely a lot of advantages there. Hey, Bruce, uh, we got to run, but thanks a lot for calling in today. Really appreciate it. Hope things are going well for you out there. Thanks for the good information. Yep, thank you. You bet. Hey, I don't know that you mentioned calcium, too. Getting our calcium levels up has really helped us reduce that crusting issue. Yes, as well. exactly. It has. Listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate and that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gainground.
Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio, and we're getting a planting and crop progress update. We'd love to hear from your farm. I'd love to hear what's going on in your area. And our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to southeast Nebraska. We get Justin out with us, and I say southeast Nebraska because Nebraska is a pretty diverse state. And if we were talking southwest Nebraska, we might be getting a whole different report than we're going to get from Justin. How you doing, Justin? Good, how are you? Good, good. So are you guys all done in your area, or how are you guys coming along? Oh, myself. I got about three days of bean plan to do yet. Most of the corn's wrapped up. I'd say probably 50% of the beans are in the ground. Awesome, awesome. So you got some corn that's up already then? Most of it is up, and you can row it. Okay. And, you know, when, when it gets down to just a few days of bean planting, everybody seems more relaxed. You sound relaxed, Justin. Has it gone smoothly for the most part? Oh, nothing major. Just the normal little things that happen to everybody. You know, when we're down to bean planting, too, I start thinking about, man, how quickly am I going to be back out in these cornfields trying to clean up broadleaf weeds? Uh, are you seeing anything out in the fields? Are they looking a little hairy yet, or is a uh, pre-emerge herbicide holding out good? Well, this spring has been a bear cat to spray with the wind. And I got a little behind, and typically I keep the sprayer ahead of the planter, and that didn't happen this year. And I was going to ask you, what would I was thinking about going with the fall burn down with the residual and then only doing an early post next spring. What kind of a corn chemical plan would you recommend? Yeah, you certainly can go in the fall. The the thing is, you're further south. You're a lot further south than we are. So you're down way down in Nebraska, and what we worry about is the timing of this and how much is going to be left in the spring. So I'll just put it this way: if we're going to use residual herbicides in the fall, then we do those on fields where we're going to plant them first in the spring. We don't necessarily do them on every acre because we can't get to every acre right away. And let's say my planting's a little delayed, like in some cases this year. We're planting our last cornfield today. Well, I don't love that because if I would have had my fall herbicide out, there there's a month here, this last month, that herbicide could have been getting used up. And now I don't have maybe enough residual there to carry me all the way to canopy. So that would be my biggest concern. So in the fall, you can use pretty much all the same herbicides that you would use in the spring if you would like to. So if you're just talking burn down, you know, a lot of people will go Banville. Some people go 2,4-D, but Banville's great. Otherwise, if they want residual, then they talk about the group 15s and maybe even something like Sure Start or Triple Flex. I mean, all those things have those products have plenty of residual. But again, that's kind of my concern. I want to spray relatively late in the fall and then plant early in the spring so I've got enough residual to carry me to canopy. And yes, we we do that on a percentage of our acres every year. I'm going to say probably 25 to 40% every year we do it that way. Really makes it easy for us in the spring. We don't have as much to spray. Okay. So what what's uh, your what's your number one weed issue? Well, we kind of got everything sprouting now already, but the the mare's tail is what's bothering me. It got yep. big on me. Yep, and that's where I say Banville. 
on our farm, we used to have a big problem with mare's tail, and one year I got sick of it, and here's the story. I'm like, okay, guys, we're going to stop the combines for a couple of days on nice days when it's like 70 degrees in the afternoon or something, and we're just going to spray because we didn't have lots of acres, probably only 500 acres where we had a major problem with mare's tail. But I said, I don't know even what the legal rate is, but we're going to go a quart to Banville. I don't think a pint's even enough. We're going a quart. We're going to finish this stuff off. And ever since we did that, we have not had a problem with mare's tail. It's been amazing. So we just wiped it out that one time, and it's it's been great ever since. So we'll still occasionally spray some stuff in the fall, like I was saying, and we'll add some burn down sometimes. But we just haven't gotten back to the point where we had this out-of-control mare's tail issue, kind of like what you're talking about. I mean, your problem probably isn't as bad as what we had, but I'm just saying where you get big mare's tail in the spring and then it's tougher to kill and everything, go spray it with Banville in the fall. I like the one quart rate. If you want to use a pint, you can try to get by with that. But man, the quart rate absolutely eliminates every broadleaf weed in the field and then some. I will definitely try that. Okay. All right. Well, good luck to you down there, Justin. Thanks for calling yep. in. Appreciate Thank you. it. You bet. Take care. You too. Got a fellow South Dakota on right now. We got Charlie who farms in South Dakota. How's it going, Charlie? Um, it's going great today. Or for the most part, it's it's nice weather and everybody's busy, hard at it, getting getting seed planted and and weed sprayed. So outstanding, outstanding. Well, last week we had a derecho come through South Dakota, and I know there was hardly any area that was spared. How how did guys fare in your neck of the woods? We actually were quite fortunate. I was, <laughs> I watched it on a gravel road coming in and it was pretty wild and crazy. I actually, even though my pickup wasn't moving, I buckled in and I turned it around and I headed for <laughs> a little protection so I wouldn't get hailed on. But we didn't have any structural damage to anything. We had some hail that maybe peppered up the wheat a little bit, but otherwise we were fortunate. There was other farmers in the area that had you know, a fair amount of structural damage. And um, we did have, a, you know, a few bean fields that we got planted in roller packs that it kind of blew a lot of stalks off those, unfortunately. But um, that's kind of been the story of the spring is a lot of winds, high winds blowing a lot of residue. So it's one thing I don't like to see. No, it's been, I, it has been windier than normal this spring. There's no doubt about that. It's been a challenge in many ways. Uh, now, you mentioned yep. the, the wheat crop and, and getting beat up a little bit with hail. How's it look overall? Overall, I'm I'm pretty pleased. Um, last fall, I was ecstatic. It went into winter, you know, looking beautiful. Unfortunately, we had uh, essentially no snow, yep. so it was an open winter. And with all the dry conditions and the winds and, you know, things were looking tough, and we were blessed with about four inches of rain about three weeks ago. And the wheat was getting to the point where it was actually starting to yellow up, like it was needing some nitrogen, and we had applied nitrogen weeks before then you know treated but uh it still wasn't in the grounds so we got lucky and very fortunate to have rains yeah four inches of rain that one shot that one weekend and then we've had maybe a shot of half inch since then but with our clay loam soils i was just amazed how how much it soaked in we got zero wet spots to go around so we're farming end to end and uh planting conditions are really good yeah, I was surprised by that too. That it just all soaked in, nothing ran off. It was our ground yeah, is thirsty. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. It was, and we actually had probably more moisture in our profile since we had rained last fall versus fall of twenty. 
So, yeah, I think I'm really optimistic for this season. I mean, if we can catch, I mean, ideally, in my mind, two inches a month, we'd have a bumper crop. So, <laughs> that being said, hopefully the, the hail stays away and the major thunderstorms, you know, have, have passed us. But I know we got a lot of time left before harvest. Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. Well, uh, glad to hear you guys survive through the through the derecho. Hopefully, that's the worst thing that that comes this year. And and uh, glad to hear stuff's looking good for for the conditions that we've had. It's been uh, been a challenging spring to say the least. Well, Charlie, good to talk to you, and and good luck to you guys uh, the rest of the summer. All right, thanks. You too. Yeah, what Charlie was talking about, it's a, a, about the same on our farm. We were really dry, and then we got a whole bunch of rain. It was like three inches over a couple of days. So it came down nice and everything. And we didn't have a a tremendous amount of erosion out of that. I I felt really fortunate. And then we got another inch of rain the next week and yeah, everything is, is actually going really good. Now we're able to finish up. And so we, we are pretty blessed right here. Like I said earlier in the show, there are some people who've had some really tough conditions this spring in terms of being super, super wet, record snowfall, record rainfall. Then it's been a cold spring. It's been extra windy. So today, Darren and I were outside doing a little bit of filming right before the radio show here, and it was nice to actually be hot for once. I finally had to take my sweatshirt off. It was enjoyable to stand out there without a whole bunch of wind and the dirt blowing in your face and everything. So anyway, uh, we're just happy that we're getting closer to summer every day. We sure enjoy the warm weather being from the cold climate that we're in. And hopefully we continue to get some timely rains and we could have some great crops yet this year. All right, we're talking planting and crop progress, but we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag right after this. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. More farmers are discovering the power of the germinator. Greg from Iowa says, This year I was very impressed with the germinator's performance in a variety of soils. More germinator success stories at FarmShopMFG.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Come to the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event this summer. Here at Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support and encourage folks entering the ag industry. That's why we're devoting a full day, Saturday, June 25th, to the free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event. Though this day is geared towards high school and college students as well as young farmers, anyone with a desire to learn more about agronomy is more than welcome. Our hands-on sessions in the field will include a comprehensive guide to scouting, ways to improve soil and crop health, the role of natural microbes in farming, and how to best collect and manage on-farm data. Plus, we're giving away tens of thousands of dollars in scholarships to eligible attendees. So whether you're a college student or just want some good agronomy information, this is one event you won't want to miss. It's the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships Day, Saturday, June 25th on the Hefty Farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Learn more and register at agphd.com. 
What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Martin Studio today, and it is the Ag PhD mailbag time. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or your emails radio at agphd.com. Got this one in from Bulgaria from our friend George over there. who said, I'd like to ask you guys' opinion about preventing fusarium head blight in my winter wheat. Uh, I know it's important to apply fungicides early in the flowering stage and that flowering generally takes a, a good five days here. We're getting some some uh, short rain showers, and I, I'm just curious, do you think that's going to prolong this process when you have cool, wet weather? And uh, our product that we're thinking about using is called Prosaro that has prothiaconazole oh, yeah. and tebuconazole. Uh, just curious, what do you think about the timing and... Uh, the product choice. Yep. We usually say roughly, let's call it 10% flowering. And it's so hard because to hit that timing just right between wind and rain, it's it's a challenge. But if you can, that's when we would like to see it. So early flowering, just get her sprayed. And I'd rather have you be a little on the early side than, than way too late. Presaro is a good product. Personally, I like the new Presaro Pro or Miravis Ace is good too, but the new Presaro Pro, you're going to get an SDHI and both of those triazoles that are in Presaro. So that's going to be my new favorite, Presaro Pro. I just I don't know if that's available in your country. Anyway, um, unfortunately, that's about all you can do. I don't know what else you're going to be able to do. It, it doesn't do you a whole lot of good to treat earlier in the season. It it does matter if you have an overall healthy plant. So we're obviously going to talk about fertility and weed control and all these other things all the way along. But it really comes down to the timing and the fungicide to use. Last thing I'll throw out there, you want to get decent coverage. We've actually tried some things where we're using these directional nozzles, spraying at an angle rather than straight down to try to get a little bit better coverage. But, you know, that nothing's perfect out there. If you have, let's say, a 5 to 10 mile an hour wind while you're spraying, maybe the heads are moving around enough anyway and you still get good coverage. But keep in mind, coverage is always a big key when it comes to fungicide effectiveness. Thanks for the question, George. Thanks for your support. Uh, I got this one in from Tyler over in Illinois. You guys were talking about dicamba and controlling weeds early. 
Uh, just curious, with coarse soils, the label says you can only run eight ounces, and I, I've heard that I should be concerned about injuring my corn if I spray dicamba early, even though the label says you could use it pre-plant incorporated, pre-emerge, or post-emerge with two-inch tall corn. So what's the true story on safety with dicamba? Okay, so I've never seen a crop injury issue spraying dicamba in corn, either pre or post. Now, you mentioned, Darren, pre-plant incorporated. I'm going, why would I use a pre-plant incorporated? Just till the weeds under and you're good. You don't need the Banvel at all. So that's the part I don't understand. And and for the label, I in fact, I'm going to try to pull up a label just to see what it actually says because this whole coarse soil thing, what is, if you're talking about coarse soils, there's a an enormous difference in coarse soils in terms of what you think potentially versus what I think. So when I'm talking about a coarse soil, I'm talking about a five or less cation exchange capacity. Some people say coarse soil and it's a 20 CEC. So I, I don't know exactly what our definition is right there because, yeah, I don't even find that. Well, here, hang on. I'm still, I'm looking at, and, and just so you know, there are a lot of good websites out there where you can find the product labels. The one that I will use a lot of times is cdms.net, but there are other ones too. And so you can just go pull up the label and then you're in pretty good shape and it will. And Oh, here's one other thing. I'll tell young agronomists, okay, it's great to pull up the label, read the label. We have to follow what the label says. But the label doesn't always tell us everything. The label doesn't teach us common sense and things like that. So we, we really encourage people to be a little bit cautious on just trusting the label entirely. There may be more information you need to know, and that's why it's good to talk to an agronomist or somebody who has lots of experience with it. Okay, so right on the label, it says pre-plant and pre-emerge application in no-till corn and use eight ounces of clarity per acre on coarse soils. That's sand, loamy sand, and sandy loam or medium and fine textured soils with less than two and a half percent organic matter. So their concern is that you get a big rain after that. It washes the clarity down into that seed and root zone and then does some damage. So again, I've never seen that. And I can tell you this, you don't want to use 2,4-D in that situation. It should only be dicamba because 2,4-D is absolutely too hard on corn, pre-plant, uh, or pre-emerge. So no possible way am I ever going to recommend 2,4-D. I would recommend dicamba. And yes, you might have to cut her to 8 ounces if you got this really light soil. So again, for me, it's less than 5 CEC is where I would make the cutoff. If you want to cut it off at 10 CEC and say, okay, I got a an eight or a nine CEC. I'm going to cut it off there, whatever. That's fine. So anyway, that's, that's what I can tell you on dicamba. All right. Uh, head back to the phone lines here. We got Dave in West central Illinois back on with us with another question. Dave, how you doing? One weed I forgot to ask you about. Uh, my phone app tells me that it's butterweed and it's not something we've really seen before. And I'm just wondering what you can tell me about it and how to control it. I'm not sure what butterweed is exactly. Is that is this a wildflower? Is this the wildflower butterweed, or what are we talking about here? What's it look like? 
it looks like it's got a big uh, celery-like stalk and a little yellow budding flowers on the end of it. And my uh, my app on my phone said it was butterweed. Okay. okay, I'm just looking at the University of Illinois site, and they say they also call it crestleaf groundsel, yellow top, golden ragwort, and yep. yellow ragwort, which is poisonous. So you don't want livestock eating that. So I can see the need to to get that one out of there. Uh, okay, and it's a winter annual or biennial. So does that sound like the plant we're talking about here? Yep, that sounds like it. Okay. Yeah, we just like to clarify because sometimes people will call something one one name yeah, and we call it something else. Names. Okay, yeah. so where are we trying to control this one, Dave? Uh, in, in Both in corn and bean, no-till ground. And have you sprayed something and it hasn't worked? No, we haven't. We were unable to get the sprayer ahead of the planter, so we're going to spray after planting. Okay, okay. And, and so Roundup is on the table? Roundup is on the table. Excellent. That would be my first choice is I'd give Roundup a shot and see if that works. Have you ever tried Roundup on this one, or this is your first time ever really having to spray it? This is the first time I've really noticed it, to be honest with you. It's kind of strange. Yep. Well, things happen. Birds can spread stuff. Sometimes we spread it ourselves with tillage. and I mean, you never know where stuff's going to fly in from. But anyway, yeah, we just say Roundup's, Roundup's going to work fine. Liberty's most likely going to kill this weed. If you can use Dicamba or 2,4-D, those will most likely get it under control too. But the thing is, whenever you've got something that could be a biennial or it's a winter annual, by the time you get to spring, it's big. And so these are the types of weeds that we would talk about in the same breath as mare's tail, where a fall application in the future is going to be better. If you went out with a quart of Banville in the fall, I'll guarantee you this thing is gone. So just something to keep in mind for the future. If you see some popping up in the fall, you might want to try to get it then. But even here this spring, you're going to get decent control on it. But chances are with its size now, you're going to have to use a good strong rate. So if it's me, I'm probably using at least a quart, if not a quart and a half of Roundup. I'm going to use the full pint of Dicamba or a quart or so of 2,4-D. I'd use at least 32 ounces of Liberty. And those are the things that would be good on it. In crop, in corn, status is probably going to be your very best choice. That will take it out. In soybeans, you know, other than the 2,4-D, Dicamba, Roundup, Liberty, none of the conventional herbicides are really going to be phenomenal on this particular weed. So hopefully you're planting one of those traits so you could use 2,4-D, Dicamba, Roundup, or Liberty, and then you'll get her stopped. Okay, and from the looks of it, I think we're probably spreading it with the combine. Yeah, that can happen. We do the same sometimes with some of the weeds on our own farm. Well, hey, uh, Dave, best of luck to you out there. Hope you can get that thing under control. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.